Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Welcome to Liturgy Live for the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity Sunday. Um, I'm Alana Berg, and with me as always is Father Ian Van Heusen. How are you doing, Father? Doing well. Good to see everyone. Let me just pull up the readings as we're kind of talking. I'll start my opening monologue here in a second. Good to see Alana. Um, So my opening monologue, just talking a little bit. So things have gotten a little crazy, a little intense here in Greenville. So with the rioting this last weekend, it actually came very close to home. I was actually celebrating the 7 p.m. Mass at ECU Newman when the rioters were within a couple of blocks of us. Luckily, they didn't come all the way to Newman. We got Tim and Dana out in time um, because they had a lot of gear. We were worried about like maybe looting, that kind of thing. So so it's very struck, very home and close to um, to our community. The good news for me and the good news throughout all of this, I was praying today, I was preparing for Sunday's homily, and the scripture came to me, where, great, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That is what's become evidently clear in my community is our mission. That is, for, for years, my community here at St. Peter's in Greenville and ECU Newman, we've invested in low-income communities, we've invested in those on the margins of society. We have so many different outreaches that we do, and those missions have become incredibly important. I, if there's one thing that's it convinced me the past two months is the necessity of our mission, the importance of it. So we have, there's one school, it's not directly run by this, the parish, but our parishioners are involved with Third Street Academy. They're involved with um, outreach to inner cities, all kinds of great stuff. The mission of the church is incredibly important. Now, how does this tie in with Most Holy Trinity Sunday? When we celebrate the Trinity, it gets at the core of the identity and the mission of the church. We are called to be other Christ's, and we are called to invite people into our relationship with the Father 
and Jesus's relationship with the Father. And St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the mission of the Trinity. He says, it's the move us from visible to invisible realities. So what we're, we're called to do is not just to provide for people's needs, not just to solve racism. And, and those things are good, but the deeper mission is the salvation of souls. That is, until we overcome sin and death, we will never be able to flourish the way we are called to. There will always be grave injustices. At the core of creating a just society is the call to conversion, the call to worship. Make sense, Amen. It totally makes sense. I just want to let you know that we are in gallery view, wildlife, which is oh. usually not what we do. Oh, gotcha. Let me, let me change that real quick. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, this is different. Yeah, <laughs> so Father Ian is Father Ian is at the helm today. So I feel a little uh, not in control, which is fine. I need practice with that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because what it is, we're using some new software. So there's going to be some of you who are going to be watching us right now on Twitter. It's thousands of people on Twitter. It's like 10 people on Twitter. <laughs> but we love our Twitter audience. I crap on Twitter a lot, but... I do appreciate the people who follow me on Twitter. I love you guys. You guys are what make Twitter worth it. All 15 or 20 of you. <laughs> but, um, but then we're going to be also be on my Facebook, uh, Catholic Links Facebook, and YouTube. Um, also, yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, are you able to see everything? Is everything good? Everything looks good. And I'm right. on the Catholic Link page. I can go um, elsewhere. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll work out how to look at all the comments at once, but for the most part, we're going to focus our attention and comments on the Catholic link. All right, yep. so let's get into the first reading. Okay, let's go. From Exodus. Early in the morning, Moses went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, taking along the two stone tablets. Having come down in a cloud, the Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name. Lord. Thus the Lord passed before him and cried out, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. Moses at once bowed down to the ground in worship. Then he said, If I find favor with you, O Lord, do come along in our company. This is indeed a stiff-necked people. Yet pardon our wickedness and sins and receive us as your own. Okay. The, there's a little bit cut out of, of this reading. Um, but wait, I think wait, wait, it, what book is it again? It's, is it Exodus? It's Exodus. Yeah. So it was right after, um, it's right after the, the, the calf, the golden yeah. calf. Because he um, goes up the mountain once, they fall, then he goes back up the mountain again a second time. Yes. Right. So, but, but into really in this reading the way that it's laid out for us here um really we need to look at how the lord presents himself and how we're to respond in him and worship and and to recognize our own stiff-neckedness and, and um to ask for pardon, to really have that conversion, right? Like you were talking about like what we need in our culture is really conversion is really unity in Christ. Um, mm -hmm. So that's absolutely. That's and we see some of the key features, right? Of old Testament theology, which is all Christian theology is that worship is the most essential worship conversion. These are the, the hearts. I, mean, I think sometimes that's getting lost these days where people are emphasizing, well, it's about community. It's about, 
positive psychology. It's about feeling good or it's about having good self-esteem. And I, I, I don't think that's um, at the heart of, of the human experience. It's our need to offer sacrifice. But also I think that would be tied with like meaningful employment and things like that. A, a need to give of oneself. Because um, I've started to realize that that's right now at the heart of at the heart of the debates in our country is a split view, I think, of human, the human person. This was occurring to me today. Hear me out a little bit. Um, on one hand, a more, I, 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 maybe I'm revealing my hand a little too much, but on um, one hand, it's almost like, and I think this might be a more liberal view, is like a, a mental health, like a positive self-esteem. When you feel good about yourself, then that's going to lead to your flourishing. Um, because some of the, 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 right now, some of the things that are being projected as solutions to our crisis is that we need to listen and employ empathy. That if we listen to other people who, 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 whose experiences are not our own, that that will somehow bring justice. Whereas I think a, a different position, which would be one that I would hold, is that really self-esteem is a little bit secondary it's more about having meaningful employment and purpose and direction and discipline that when we have those things in place, then we start to feel better about ourselves and we're more able to engage in the world in an upright way. And there might be some middle ground between those two, but I also see it at the, the heart of it is this old Testament message of worship. When we're offering proper worship, when our, um, when we have a meaningful employment, when we have a sense of purpose and mission, that that's more important than feeling like we're heard or feeling that we're cared about. I don't know if that's too stark. I'm kind of still working this out. What are your thoughts? I think that that's an interesting way to think about it. And I see where that, where you're drawing the lines out with. Yeah. So I, I can see where you're coming from. And I think that it's so easily an either or message and not like a hierarchy of goods message. Yeah. Um, you're uh, frozen. Uh, yep, I got it. Always happens. Um, 30 minutes in. Yes. The camera. Uh, so yeah. the, the hierarchy of needs and the hierarchy of um, understanding, because it is important to be heard and it is important to feel known um, within this situation, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that it's two different completely different things is it's two things that are necessary and maybe the self gift is more necessary or has, has a higher weight. And then once yourself, there's a gift of self, then you're able to listen and empathize in a way that's constructive that can possibly bring justice. I don't know if that one equals the other, but yeah. I will continue to work with that. I mean, this just occurred to me today because I was looking through the USCCBs. Well, I, I probably am shooting myself in the foot. I'm being way honest today. Way honest, <laughs> Father Ian. I'm just laying it all out there. But I was looking at the like. USCCB's guidelines for um, racism and things like that. So I was like, well, you know, let me give the bishops a fair shot. What, are the, what do they actually want us to do according to this document? And a big part of it was listening to the experience of of minority communities or listening to the experience of marginalized communities, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but I'm just not sure that that necessarily helps. 
Um, I think a lot of times, yeah, but yeah, but we'll, we'll kind of flush this out in weeks, years types thing. Yeah. I mean, it was just, the idea just came to me today, so it's not fully fleshed out. So it's like a half baked idea. Um, are people responding? Um, I'm just, my computer's being ridiculous. So sorry. Oh, okay. Um, you you're still, you gotta use the, ethernet. I know I'm, <laughs> Ethernet. No, it's, it keeps unmuting, so I'm hearing you dub, double. <laughs> so uh, it's getting really confusing what you're saying. Like, uh, wait a minute. What? Gotcha, gotcha. Well, let's move on. Let's go. But let's go back to the reading. So one of the things I, I love about the reading, the first reading, is um, a great line from the Old Testament that always just resonates with me because it connects me a lot with the transfiguration, and it connects me with this sense of contemplation where God says to Moses several times, "Make the temple." after the pattern you saw on the mount. And I think of that mystically. That is, we, we order our lives based off of our experience of the Holy Spirit, our experience of the Lord, our experience of the Most Holy Trinity. And not to say that everything is experienced, but I talk about a lot the still presence, the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. The more that stillness sets in, we connect with that voice of reason, that, that illumination of the Holy Spirit, it is like that mountaintop experience. Um, does that make sense? It does make sense. And it, and it reminds me of what we were talking about last week about um, having, living it and residing in the peace of Christ to, to be really able to stay there, not necessarily on a mountaintop experience sometimes as we, we think of it as consolation, but just to stay in peace, whether or not we're in consolation or not. Yeah. When I gave that image before of the, the layers of the ocean, I think we've talked about that before. So there's the surface. And when you learn to connect to the still presence, you're going to experience consolation and desolation on the surface. But at the core, there'll be, there'll be a stability and a peace down below the surface. And it's not necessarily just an emotional peace, but that, that takes some time and discernment. Because um, mm -hmm. it's not just simply, because that's, I think, where, where people, they think that peace means feeling good. And this piece is a little bit deeper than feeling good. Um, I, and the way I learned this, actually, I don't know if I've talked with you about this, Alana, but it was two years ago. Well, yeah, it was two years ago now, or a year and a half ago. Um, not this Lent, but the Lent before. When I first started doing, because you know I've been doing intense fasts, and I was like five or six days, or actually maybe like 10 days into a fast, where it wasn't like a full-blown fast, but it was a pretty intense fast, and I felt terrible. I had a headache and I, I still wasn't going to eat for another like 20 days. I mean, I was going to eat like sparingly, but I knew I was going to be uncomfortable. And I was sitting and doing my meditation. I felt angry. I felt tired. I felt all of these negative emotions. But in the moment, I said, I'm happy. I thought about this for a moment. What does happiness mean in this context? I don't feel good. There was a lot of crap going on in my life at the time. But yet, paradoxically, there was a happiness that was not at all connected with the moment or how I felt. There was that awareness of a happiness that went beyond my circumstances. And I think that's also the gift of fasting and the gift of penance and contemplation. Does that mm. make sense? Yep. Totally makes sense. Yeah. So you um, have to learn it. It's not, it's just the thing is, is, is it's, it's something that has to be learned. Right. It's our, well, and the Holy Spirit has to show you. Abs yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You ready for a second reading? Yeah, let's go into second reading. All right, uh, Second Corinthians, brothers and sisters, rejoice. 
Mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the holy ones greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be be with all of you. I feel like this right now is like the, you know, the verses that need to be shared right now. Just be one. Be in peace. Um, Agree with one another. Live in peace. You know, encourage one another. Mend your ways, meaning meaning, um, the word used is to reconcile, to be reconciled to God, to be reconciled to one another. Um, Mm -hmm. And how much we need this right now, how much strife there is, and fear and just confusion um that we really need to go back to this and really meditate on what the this what saint paul is telling us here Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it makes sense the question is is see the challenge is i was just talking about this on sunday we say like we want unity but for me it's very hard to see how the division and our country and our church can be reconciled. Um, it it almost like, yeah. Okay. It is hard. Well, I'm just agreeing that it's hard to envision because there's so much division and so well, much. And then there's so much at stake too. I mean, it's not just, it's not just if we just all agreed to disagree. There, there, there are diametrically opposed positions and we saw that with the crisis a little bit, the COVID crisis. There, there's a clear division among priests and bishops on how we even see the world. Um, it's, a, it's a tough time. And I don't know, I don't know what the answer is because I'm kind of a firebrand on this because the challenge for me is I, um, I've said this several times that there are priests that I know and there's older priests. I'm not always clear that we belong to the same religion. That's always often like it's it, – the, it seems like we're connected by the ritual and by the fact that we have a bishop, but we don't read the same books. We don't view history the same way. We don't have a, the same appreciation for the church. Um, and, and, and there really is, the, the, the longer this has gone on, the more, the more this has become apparent. Because, I mean, it does feel like sometimes there are people in the church that hate the church and hate the history of the church. Um, and that the lens they see the church through is that is almost like a Protestant view that the church has been corrupt for 2000 years. And now it's like the age of Aquarius type stuff. And we have this new enlightenment after Vatican II that we're going to make, you know, sing a new church into being. This is very dark. There's no like light in this. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, you're definitely bringing out things that I haven't been thinking about right now because I've been thinking about our our country and what we're going through. Um, So it's definitely something else for me to ponder and to, to think about. And because I do yearn for the unity, I do pray for the unity that Christ prayed for in our, in our church, but also in our country and, and to not tear ourselves apart because that's what we're doing right now. And it's like killing me. 
it's breaking my heart um, to see the destruction on every level um, and how it doesn't, it doesn't matter in, in some levels. It's like the, the dialogue that we've been, you were talking about earlier, like listening and to be able to respond properly, like that's important and it's good, but it doesn't feel like it's working. Well, I mean, and, and to be fair also, I mean, most people, even people who claim up and down and swear up and down dialogue, when all is said and done, very rarely do they actually listen to people they disagree with. I mean, I, I they just be blunt. I mean, I've seen this for years. So like dialogue or dialogue, you know, all kinds of crazy things about dialogue. And then they're like, you, you raise your hand, you're like, well, what about this? And they're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, got it. <laughs> well, that's, it, the, you have to be dialoguing with somebody that you trust has the same unity in mind. Yeah, right. I don't even think I don't think it's that. I mean, I think I think it's genuinely that just people just generally don't listen to people they disagree with. Just in general, they don't hear uh, other viewpoints. I think um, I, I think that's fairly common. I, I think one of the hallmarks of Pope Benedict, the genius of Pope Benedict that I loved, that I've always strived for, is when he presented people's viewpoints that disagree with him. He generally proposed. He genuinely tried to present people the way they would present themselves, right? Which right now in America hardly ever happens. Like how many people honestly present the viewpoint of those who disagree with them with clarity, honesty, in ways that the, 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 those who disagree with them would recognize. So that is like your opposition should be, look, pick up your argument and say, I may disagree with their conclusions, but they at least represented my idea as well. Right. right. Like a Thomistic approach. Exactly. There is no Thomistic approach in our culture right now. It is well, I completely. Think this is partly because we live in a dark age. I think we live in an uh, age of intellectual darkness in terms of the classics of rhetoric, logic, and reason. Because I mean, I know I wasn't raised with that. I wasn't really exposed to a lot of this until I went to seminary. And it took years, even after seminary, to unpack like, you know, how many people right now, logical fallacies. I mean, it's like Twitter is like one big logical fallacy, one big logical fallacy after another ad hominem attacks, whatever. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I've often watched straw men. It's really like it's Twitter is a straw man. That's mainly what they have. They don't, there's not enough space to, to, to strong man, anything. Yeah. You know, and, and it's misrepresentation and complete, I mean, it's just kind of crazy how everything is going and then what comes out of this chaos and disorder and destruction and, you know, our hope for unity. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're having a dark day. <laughs> well, it's just like I, I had a feeling it was going to go. Dark. I mean, it's well, just. I mean, it's a dark time. I mean. Yeah. So. Which is crazy because it's a dark time, but it's we are experiencing untold amounts of prosperity. I mean. What we're doing here, like looking at all the technology, looking at everybody's life is better than life was 100 years ago. And, and, and even just with you, as much as some of our problems are pressing, I mean, let's not forget like 60 years ago, police brutality wasn't like a guy used an improper choke technique. It was like they shot somebody and they framed them or they, you know, like it was like police corruption was bad. 60 years ago, right? 
Like if the police had it out for you, they would like set you up for murder and put you away for life or just kill you in custody. Like Mm -hmm. they didn't even try to pretend, right? I mean, it's like, so it's bizarre. We live in a time of untold prosperity, but also untold unrest. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to live in the peace and live in the hope that we know that Christ gives us. Like he gave it to us. We have it. We're supposed to live in it. And then to look out and see what the heck is happening. You know what I mean? Like come Holy Spirit, restore the earth. (laughs) You know, like can we do this please? Absolutely. And Hey, I'm going to throw it out there. Maybe just maybe Americans wait for it. Need Catholicism and need the sacraments. It's not just a nice thing for Catholics. All people should be Catholic, and there won't be peace until something like that happens. Like that's that's the way to peace. Yeah, and to recognize sinfulness, you know, and that we need to be forgiven, and like that conversion piece that you were that you began with. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I just realized just when I like, said that. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, I just realized when I said that, how controversial that statement is. The desire and the belief that of all people who are Catholic and truly practicing their faith, that, and that we need the sacraments, not just for some ethereal salvation goal, which I mean is true, but like to live well. Like we won't have peace on earth until Christ present in the Eucharist is the center of reality. And for that, that is scandalous in our, in our culture. Yeah. I mean, because we had a culture that was based that where most people were Catholic, but were people acting and living like Catholics? There were still very few saints, you know? So it's like the the paradox of history, right? The The call to holiness is, is such an important call. And I really do think that that call is, is where I focus, like what we need, we need to be focusing on, you know, the, I wonder, I wonder if this is a problem that we're kind of almost, um, there's almost like a schizophrenia in our teaching. Like, I mean, I understand that like we want to promote the flourishing of all people, but it seems like we don't hold up the Eucharist and the sacraments is essential that the core in the beginning, the source and summit, the source and summit of all human flourishing, the answer to all human problems lies within the sacraments at the core confession, sacrifice, worship. Yeah. All right. We have father Vitalis has given us some comments. Oh yeah. Shoot. Um, He says, glad to see you guys today. The pandemic has really affected a lot of things. We continue to trust in the merciful love of God. Mm -hmm. And he also says, I agree with you. We need Catholicism, good practice of faith, the sacrament, and the belief in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I I agree. And I feel like it's clear, you know, what the, the, what, 20% of people, like, believe in the actual true presence, like that, the Pew study that was, that yeah. you know, they were freaking out about. And that's how people live. They don't live like they believe it, you know? And until we live like we believe it, it's not going to change. Mm-hmm. 
and and how much we need this grace like we need this grace is being poured out abundantly right now with all the chaos and the evil there is more grace (laughs) and we need to be able to say i want that grace i need that grace and respond to the grace that's given to us and how important it is for us to do yeah but people don't talk about that (laughs) no well i mean it's almost considered um a bad thing even in church circles right now to say Jesus is the answer to all things, the sacraments and all that that flows from it is at the core of of all. Like, do you want to solve the issues among the poor? You need to lead them to Jesus Christ. Like that's the, that's the key to human flourishing. That's the key to, yeah, and I, I just, it's, it's a tough message because, I mean, there's a lot of Catholic institutions, I don't think, who believe that. Um, one of the dynamics, if you work within the church, I don't want to get into it too much, but is that most Catholic institutions that deal with outreach or even education don't necessarily lead to lifelong disciples. Um, if you're ever doing campus ministry, most campus ministries will recognize, first of all, the areas where campus ministry tends to flourish the most in terms of more Bible studies and more active evangelization is paradoxically not Catholic universities. Fascinating dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, focus tends to do better when they're not on ca- Catholic campuses. Interesting. Yeah. So there's that. And then also um, the majority of kids who are involved with college students who are involved with campus ministry a lot of times they tend not to come from Catholic schools. Catholic school kids tend not to be involved with campus ministry. Hmm. It's a tendency. Yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. And I think it's not all, it's not all like they're not leading people to Christ or whatever. I mean, there's like, so there's sociological dimensions to it too. Sometimes you get the kids who they went elementary through high school to Catholic schools and they feel like they've graduated and they kind of want to like step out into the world like things like that. So, I mean, yeah. it's multivariate analysis. I don't want to, I don't want to knock all of our Catholic schools. Right. Um, but there is also a sense. Well, it's, it's always tough to say with every school. It's tough. I think. Cause I'm kind of going back and forth. Cause I, I, w- not, I would, I would inject there the question of how was their faith life at home, whether or not they went to Catholic school, whether or not they, they went to a Catholic university how was their domestic church? No doubt. And no doubt. That's like 99% of it. I mean, but most of that's like the case with vocations, the case with, right. well, I mean, it, it's not, it's not uncommon. I mean, we're in a pretty religious area, a pretty devout area. And we like, for example, we called a rosary today, which was really well attended. They like 50 people, which I mean, statistically is not even close to a majority of parishioners, but it was short notice. But of that, you know, if you have a big event, a typical parish event, it doesn't matter the quality, it doesn't matter the publication, there's probably about somewhere between 10 to 20 families that would come, you know, just depending on their schedules mm-hmm. uh, of, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of families. Um, now, to be fair, it does almost seem that these, these ratios are like, it almost feels like there's an element of predestination to it because 
these ratios really hold firm. Like even in like Catholic cultures, like Mexico and stuff like that. So like when I was in Mexico um, and you had, you had big events and you would get lots of families, but it would be, I mean, everybody's Catholic. And so it wasn't, it was about the same ratio that you'd get in the United States, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that sinks all of my, which maybe gets at the point where we won't have. So, so paradoxically, the key to, the key to flourishing happiness and the depths of the spiritual life are the Eucharist and our God, our, our the Lord and worship and the sacraments. Very few people will walk that path. But I mean, the Lord says, narrow is the way, right? That leads. Right. But, but we at least have to start talking about it. Like we're talking about it right now. Like this is essential. You know, yeah. what work is essential? This work right here. The work of the Holy Spirit in our culture to convert those hearts and minds into the love of Christ and loving you know, faith, hope, and love, those theological virtues that are infused in us. The things, the thing that I've been kind of contemplating lately is, is within those that we're called the faithful, but we don't, we aren't called the hopeful or the whatever word charitable full or, you know, full of charity, the people who are full of charity, we're called the faithful. I think that's interesting. Have you ever like thought about that? Nope. Because I'm like, I feel like we need to be called, I feel like we need to be the hopeful right now. This is where I'm feeling like, I feel like. Well, and here's a question for you. What do you, well, what do you mean by hope? So there, there are three kinds of ways we can understand hope, right? So there's like hope, which is well-wishing, which is everything's going to turn out for the best. There's hope that as uh, the theological virtue, which is like a longing for heaven, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, right now I, I feel full of hope a lot. And that I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, okay, like, Lord Jesus, come. Like, Maranatha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, before this COVID crisis, I had a hard time understanding things like, he who does not hate his life in this world will lose it. Or like hating your life and hating this world. And right now I'm like, you know, I can understand what hating this world means. Yeah. It makes well, sense. Yeah, and I, I think... When I mean hope, when I like think of like if we were to be called the hopeful instead of the faithful and the hopeful, you know, because being called the faithful are is has multiple dimensions. I think because you know we're we're baptized, we're you know we're believers, right? Mm-hmm. Keep but talking. I can hear you. The hopeful to me is like those who trust, not just believe, but also like actually trust in the promises of Christ actually hope for what he has said will happen. Yeah. And that should, should there be a transition now into that where are we just hanging on to that one theological virtue and not transforming ourselves and transcending into a deeper relationship? Does that make, am I making sense? Like, I feel like, like it's a transformation into all three development. Yeah. Of uh, yeah, kind of, I mean, make, yeah, making sense. Um, I mean, there's definitely, 
I've definitely noticed that there is an emphasis placed on faith a lot um, in the Catholic world and overall. By the way, I've got like very little time left on my battery and I can't okay. plug my, my computer in. Okay. So next problem to work on next week. Um, every week it's a new problem. But um, so what was I going to say? I, I have thought, but the way I've often interpreted it, here's something for you to consider, maybe to flesh out your idea a little bit. St. Thomas Aquinas gets at is that, wait, hold a second. Charbel, sit, lay down. Lay down, Charbel. Charbel, lay down. Lay down. I got to get this dog to lay down. Lay down, boy. All right. He's laying down. <laughs> All right. Ian <laughs> yelling at his dog. So St. Thomas Aquinas gets at is, um, is when you fall into mortal sin, you don't lose faith, but you lose hope and love. So he says you lose divine love and you lose hope, which is fascinating because there are a lot of times where you get all kinds of people who believe in faith. They believe in belief in God and worship of God in a certain sense. Um, but they don't have a longing for heaven. And divine love is always tricky because divine love, well, they, they don't have divine love in that they're not, they're not willing to will the good of others that disagree with them or, or um, evil because right, we're called to love our enemies. So what does love our enemies mean? It means to will the good of another, even when we don't feel like it. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely, I, I definitely, I have seen it where I've seen it where some people seem to emphasize faith at the expense of hope and love. Now, not love is the emotion. Everybody likes love. Everybody talks about love, but it's really, if you really pay attention, it's more the feeling good. Like, right. like if you're making somebody feel bad, they'll say you're not being loving. You should be more loving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you want me to get through the Why don't gospel? we get through the comments, actually, and let's end because I'm not going to be able to make it. You're not going to make it through the gospel? Can I just read it? Yeah, read the gospel. Okay. We'll try. Actually, it's really we'll fast. Try. We'll just try and, and we'll come to a – do you have any other comments? Not right now. They're okay. quiet today. We're being scandalous. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hard truths. All right. Uh, it's really fast from the Gospel of yeah. John. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that the, everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. Whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he is, has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Okay. Yeah. So this is the mission of the church, the mission of the Trinity, like mm -hmm. salvation from Jesus Christ. It is crazy right now. I mean, even among church people, if you said, and I'm going to preach on this this weekend. We want all people to be saved by coming to an explicit faith in Jesus Christ and to receive the sacraments. This is our mission every day, all day. Everything leads to it. Everything. I'm not saying we have to proselytize. I'm not saying that we have to like force people to convert or go yell from like rooftops. But yeah, that's the core of our identity mission. Yeah. And it's essential to be saved through Christ. Like, like these yeah. are things like we said earlier, like the whole world needs to come to, into this, this really intimate union with Christ that, that really is our salvation. But in chaos, it's so hard to express that. You know? And there's some people that have argued, well, right now we need to care for the, care, the needs of the body and not worry about evangelization. No, no. 
Every day, all day. You need Jesus. Yes, always. Always. Well, and Ryan says, whoa, did we change time? And Father Vitelli Oh, yeah, says, we did. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> so, I, well, we were praying the rosary today because of the crisis here in Greenville. And I was thinking of moving the rosary to 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., but now we're concerned that the protests are going to start here soon. And if the rioting starts, we didn't, yeah. you know, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And it's important to plan around the possibility of this yeah. insanity. So, Ryan, we might have a riot in Greenville tonight. I have the Blessed Sacrament hid, and I might, go, I, I might need to go to another church to take the Blessed Sacrament out to, in case of looting. Yeah, so pray, kind of pray for our country. You're frozen again. Pray for our country. And um, Father Vitella says, pray for families mourning the loss of their loved ones and pray for the repose of George Floyd. And pray Absolutely. for those who are going to be victims of all of this destruction. Absolutely. So let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray for healing of the wounds of racism in our society. We pray for unity. We pray for the repose of the soul of George Floyd. We pray for those who, who perpetrated the crime for their repentance and their conversion. We pray for our city here of Greenville and all those places that are facing rioting this night, that, that our hearts may be converted to the Lord and that they may seek peaceful solutions. And we ask you to bless all who will watch and Listen to this. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Hold up a second. All right. So that's off. How'd you leave? So take me to the fountain that I seek. It's welling up, it's welling up in me. me. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www dot grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia experience coffee like never before